0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. How's everybody doing? Dang, there's a lot of people in this room. I don't see very many empty seats. Y'all know we got a 9 a.m., right? 12.45 or 12 30? Yeah, this is awesome. We're so glad that you guys are here this morning. We're excited. You can tell we're on day seven of a 21-day church-wide prayer and fasting. And y'all, we're entering in this morning. I could sense his presence here, uh, his tangible presence here this morning. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I hope that you guys are digging in, that you're enjoying the devotional. Who's doing the devotional? You guys liking the devotional? Yeah good. Make sure you study. Like don't just read the devotional, but then do the things like like you study, reflect, ask those questions so you can really connect with what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you during this time of fasting and prayer. My son came home on Wednesday. They're doing, our kids are doing no sugar, no, no soda, no treats, things like that for their fast or their abstaining. And he came home on Wednesday. He was like, mom, guess what? happened at school today. I was like, I don't know what, buddy. It's like somebody offered me a cosmic brownie. Now, I didn't realize this, but some of y'all with your mind in the gutter in first service thought I was talking about like a cosmic brownie not a cosmic brownie, but like, I guess it's a little Debbie brownie with like sprinkles on the top. People know, you guys know about the cosmic brownies. So he was like, somebody offered me a cosmic brownie, which I guess is a pretty hot commodity among fifth graders, fifth grade boys. And he was like, but I turned it down. And I was like, good for you, buddy. He's like, I'm showing my flesh who's boss. So remember this week, showing your flesh who's boss. Your spirit man is leading the way, not your flesh. And I'll say this, maybe you messed up, maybe you skipped a day. Maybe you had bread, because bread does bring joy, right, Jackson? <laughs> it brings joy. Maybe you, maybe you messed up. Don't give up. Don't throw the whole fast away. Start over tomorrow. Fresh start. Keep going. I believe that God still wants to speak to you, all right? Last week, we kicked off our series, Suddenly, and with a great message from Pastor Josh. We're digging into this word, suddenly which we see in scripture over 80 times, and we see that God is a God who moves suddenly in this world and in our lives, and Josh talked about how if we want to be ready, if we want to receive a sudden move of God in our life, there's a posture, there's an attitude, there's a stance that we have to find ourselves in, and that is one where we are walking in faith, trusting God, and we're walking in obedience, obeying what he tells us to do. And as I listened to it, I thought this is a, a landmark message for this year. I believe it's it's how God wants to steer us this year in 2020, faith and obedience. It's gonna be a recurring theme in your life this year. So if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. Because this week, as I've prayed, as we're fasting and praying, as, as I pray and as I think about the church, that's been my prayer. Lord, help help us to trust you like we've never trusted you before. May we go down deeper. May our roots go down deeper in you that we are so full of faith, trusting in you like we've never trusted you before so that when things are going crazy, we can still lay our head down on, on the pillow at night and sleep like a baby because we trust in you. And I believe that level of trust will lead us into obedience, to follow what he has for us. So trust and obedience is a posture of suddenly. Well, today we're talking about the peace of suddenly. Because peace is a theme, a common theme that we see tied to suddenlies in the word of God. That's something that God brings when he moves suddenly, he brings peace think about Jesus and his disciples when they were on a boat and all of a sudden a a super storm heads their way and there are waves crashing into the boat. There's fierce winds. There is lightning. There's disorientation. These guys are fearful for their lives. They are totally freaking out and Jesus is asleep. They go and they wake Jesus up and he looks at the storm and he says to it, peace be still. And suddenly peace comes. Suddenly, all is calm. God wants to move suddenly in your life and bring peace suddenly into your life. Now, I understand that you and I are not fishermen, but pretty much on a daily basis, we're going to find ourselves in the same boat as the disciples where circumstances surrounding us, they seem fierce. They're causing us to lose sleep. They're causing us to have worry and stress and anxiety. They're causing us to be distant Like maybe we're with our friends or maybe we're with our family, but we're not really there. We're there physically, but we're not there mentally because our mind is consumed with whatever thing is currently rocking our boat, whatever circumstances that we are up against. But how many know that that is not God's highest and that is not God's best? God wants you to live a life of peace. Look at this with me in John 14, 27. This is Jesus talking, and uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures in, in the Bible about peace. He says, peace, I leave with you. My perfect peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. What a promise of peace. Jesus did not have a will. He did not have an inheritance. But as he is departing, he tells us about two priceless gifts that are available that he is giving to his followers. The Holy Spirit and his peace. Not Paul's peace. Not John's peace. Not George or Ringo's peace. But his peace. He is giving us his peace. And his peace is different than the world's peace. The world's peace says you can have peace when there's not trouble, when there's nothing to be afraid of. You can have peace when there's no war. But Jesus's peace says, no, you can have peace in spite of these things. With Jesus's peace, you can have peace in peacetime, and you can have peace in wartime. Jesus's peace is a peace that happens in spite of our circumstances, not because of our circumstances. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. His peace was a heart untroubled and unfearful in spite of all the suffering and conflict ahead of him. Jesus did not have an easy road to walk, but he had peace while he was here walking it. And that peace has been given to you, that perfect peace for every circumstance and every challenge. But here's the thing. There is someone whose goal is to steal that peace away from you. There is someone who wants to come and snatch that piece right from underneath your feet. Scripture says that Jesus came to give life so that we may have life and have it more abundantly, but it also says that the enemy comes only. He comes only, the only reason he wakes up and gets out of bed in the morning, the only reason that he comes, he comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of the things that he is actively trying to steal from you is your peace, is the peace that Jesus has given to you. The devil is after your peace. And as oxymoronic as it sounds, this tells us that we have to fight for peace. Someone look at your neighbor and tell them, fight for peace. Fight for peace. And it's important as we fight for peace that we remember who we are fighting against. We're not fighting against our spouse. We are not fighting against our in-laws. Teenagers, you are not fighting against your parents. Parents, you are not fighting against your teenagers. Coworkers, you are not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 tells us who we are fighting against. We're not waging war against enemies of flesh and blood alone. No, this fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world and against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. Now, I realize that that that, that might sound a little terrifying to some of you this morning. You're like, did that lady just say, That there's some demon princes slithering around in darkness trying to steal my peace. I know it sounds kind of like Harry Potter, but this is the truth. Like, this is the truth of God's word. There is a devil, and he does have demons, and they are slithering around trying to steal your peace. I tell you that this morning not to make you afraid, not to drop a, a bomb of bad news on you this morning. I tell you that so that you understand who your fight is against, so you know how to properly fight. How you can fight for peace because God wants to move suddenly in your life. So turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 16. And we are going to look at a a, a time in Paul's life when a demonic spirit is actively trying to steal his peace. And we're going to look at how he responds. And I love this chapter because it is full of suddenly moments. In fact, this week in the devotional, I'm going to take you through three Uh, suddenly moments found in Acts chapter 16, but today we're just going to talk about this one. So Acts 16, verse 16, you can read along with me on the screens or in your Bibles. It says, one day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Okay, so Paul and his crew, they are headed to this prayer meeting, which this is a sidebar, but it's an important sidebar. You see here that you can be following God's will. You can be being a wonderful disciple, doing the things that God has called you to do. They're on their way to a prayer meeting and still they encounter this demon-possessed girl. They still have this encounter where this demon is trying to actively still their peace. Listen, you can be headed in the right direction, right smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life and still experience encounters with demons who are trying to steal your peace. In fact, if you are walking a certain way and you don't experience any resistance from the enemy, then you are probably walking in the wrong direction. Amen. So they're heading to this prayer meeting and they meet this demon-possessed fortune teller and she has a spirit of divination, which means that the demon in her could supernaturally read and predict human behavior, and then she could take that prediction and steer events toward a predicted conclusion. She was foreseeing the future, telling the future. Now, instead of trying to rid this girl of her demons, people took advantage of her. And much like modern-day human trafficking, they enslaved her, and her masters pimped her out, and they made money off her demonic possession. They exploited this. It was not a good situation for her, for anyone at all, this was not good. Now this girl followed Paul around and and his people and they were saying, uh, this demon was saying, these men are servants of the most high God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now this is a little confusing at first because this doesn't seem like something bad that this demon is saying. Like she's not saying, don't listen to these men, they're horrible. She's saying, these are servants of the most high God. So you know what we know about the devil is that he's a liar and he, he doesn't speak the truth, lying is his native tongue, and the demons are employed by the devil, so why is this, this doesn't add up? We well, have to understand that, that she is not saying this to help them spread the gospel, that she is not saying this to be nice to them. She is doing this because she knows that this hurts Paul's influence. This is bad advertising for Paul. This is bad press for Paul to have this known fortune teller fortune, t- fortune telling under the old law was detestable in the sight of the Lord. So this was not somebody he wanted to be associated with a known crazy person is following these guys around day after day saying, these are servants of the most high God. So known crazy with people you're going to be associated or guilty by association they were if 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 you know this person's crazy and this person is promoting these people then you're going to think these people are crazy right yep. guilty by association so this isn't what Paul wanted this demon was doing this not to be nice she was doing this to distract him to wear him down to get his focus off and to ruin his influence to steal his peace away it's kind of like if uh homer simpson or uh Al Bundy or Peg Bundy or any of the terrible parents that I grew up watching on TV when I was a kid, Roseanne Barr maybe, one of these type of parents that are associated with bad parenting, if they're tweeting about how much they love my parenting book every day, it's gonna get on my nerves. I do not wanna be associated with them. That's bad press, that's bad advertising. It's definitely gonna mess with my peace and this is what's happening with Paul. It's messing with his peace. Now, let's read this next part again. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Now, there's our suddenly. And it's a pretty significant suddenly if you ask me because this girl is now freed and now Paul is free. He can continue to walk and do what God is calling him to do. He has his peace back but only for a moment, because as soon as these people find out, her masters find out she has been set free, they do not like it, and they have Paul arrested, thrown in jail, beaten, but don't worry about Paul, because Paul has a suddenly, or God has another suddenly lined up for him, and you'll read that in the devotional this week, but she is suddenly set free. Paul is suddenly free from this girl following him around. Now, I understand that you in here, that you have never had this situation happen to you before. I am, I am 100% sure, bet all the money in the world that you've never had a fortune teller following you around day after day. And chances are pretty good that you will never have a fortune teller following you around day after day, stealing your, your peace. But here's the thing, you do have some other things that are following you around day after day that are stealing your peace. Maybe it's a spirit of lack. Maybe you're worried about money all the time and it's always got you like stressed out, losing sleep over your checking account. You're worried that you can't trust God with your finances or maybe it's a spirit of fear that follows you around. Maybe it's a spirit of rejection like you can't leave this place today without getting in your car and this little spirit coming to, to rest on your shoulder and, and chattering in your ear. Hey, did you notice so-and-so was there today, but she didn't say hi to you? I wonder what you did to offend her. Maybe you should think back about all the conversations you had over the last couple of weeks and you're, you're, you're losing peace like over something that's not even real more than likely. She's not offended. She maybe just didn't see you, but that spirit of rejection is right there following you around day after day, stealing your peace. What are you allowing to follow you around day after day? And is it something you want to be associated with as a believer? Listen, Paul did not want to be associated with that fortune teller. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't want to be associated with a spirit of fear or a spirit of lack or a spirit of lust or pride or anxiety or depression. I don't want to be associated with those spirits because they're detestable to God. It's bad advertising. It's bad press for God, for my God who came and died and was buried and rose again and then gave me his peace. It's bad advertising if I'm letting these spirits follow me around day after day, being patient with them, sometimes patting them along the way, thinking they're cute like baby Yoda. Listen, it's not cute. It's not cute. It's detestable in the sight of God. So we have got to get exasperated. The only thing that should be following you around as a believer is God's goodness and mercy. May his goodness and his mercy follow you all the days of your life. Is sickness goodness? Is depression goodness? is rejection, goodness. No, may goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. I'm telling you guys, some of you have got to get exasperated today. Some of you have got to unleash a suddenly in Jesus name. Some of you have got to get sick of this and command it to leave you in Jesus name. You have got to use your God-given authority. He's given you authority over the stuff that he doesn't want you associated with. But here's the thing, so many believers don't understand their authority, and they don't know how to use their authority. So day after day, the enemy comes only and steals their peace. We have to understand authority. Paul understood that he had authority, and it was backed by the name of Jesus. He understood how to use it, Look again at what he said. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. Notice he didn't ask. He wasn't like, ma'am, you're kind of messing up our thing here. If you could just please quietly, like I don't mind if you follow, but just could you be quiet and we'll pray for you once we get to the prayer meeting. No, he commanded her to leave. He wasn't polite about it. Some of you are too polite. You're letting this stuff follow you around. You need to get in its face and say, I command you in Jesus' name to leave. Yeah. Notice he didn't ask. He commanded. You are not a beggar. You are a commander because Jesus Christ has given you authority. Yeah. Some of you are asking Jesus to do something about it. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. We get rid of this piece. Jesus, please heal me. Jesus, please. I'm about to go into Kanye. Jesus, Jesus, do this. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do this. But here's the thing. Remember what we sang this morning? Done, done. He is risen. It is done. Jesus' work here is done. It is finished. He's looking at you now. God gave him all authority. He handed it over to us, and he's waiting on you to do something. So quit begging Jesus. He's saying you've got the authority now. You do something with it. In Luke 10, after Jesus sent out 72 disciples on mission, here's what they came back and said. Lord, notice that, pay attention to that, circle that, highlight that, because we're gonna come back to that. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all Somebody say all All. over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them Nothing will injure you Jesus says he's given these guys. He's given us his disciples his followers Authority over all the power of the enemy This does tell us that the enemy does have some power But there's a difference between power and authority and I love how Tony Evans explains this using the NFL Think about an NFL player. Imagine one in your head. They are big. They are muscular. They are strong. They are tall. They are fast. They're almost like super, uh, superheroes. Just freak of nature, these guys in the NFL. They're powerful. They can knock you down. They can run you over. And then you've got the referee. Here's what your average referee looks like. <laughs> the average referee in the NFL is 51 years old. They are going to be a little bit slower, a little bit shorter, a little bit rounder. But here's the thing. That little referee has authority. And although a player can knock somebody down, if a player lays a hand on that referee because the referee has authority, he can throw that player completely out of the game. This is what you have to understand about the enemy. He does have some power, and he will come at you. And he'll bring everything, you know. He doesn't play nice. He'll knock you down. He'll try to run you over. But you have authority over him in Jesus' name. So you can command him to leave in Jesus' name. You can throw him out of the game. Now, I know this is exciting. And I know you're like, all right, I'm fired up. The believer's authority, let's do this. But here's the thing. A lot of people... They, they hear this message, they get excited, but there's some confusion with it. They hear about their authority, they read the scriptures about Jesus' name, and they think, okay, I got it. When stuff comes against me, all I have to do is say, stuff, I command you to leave in Jesus' name, and then the stuff leaves. And we think that this authority comes from this formulated phrase. We think that this authority comes, if we just string this This set of words together, then I'm going to force the hand of God to move. But that is not what the authority of the believer is all about. And if you leave here thinking this morning that it's all about a formulated phrase, and I have not done my job. Acts 19, a few chapters over, we read about a group of men who tried to use this phrase, this formula, and it does not work. Look at this with me. Acts 19, verse 13 a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Turn to your neighbor and say, new phone, who dis? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Like, this could not have gone worse for these guys. But what went wrong? Like, it appears that they did all the right things. They said the right words. They used the name of Jesus. They commanded, right? They used their authority. Why did the demon sass them then and attack them? Because the seven sons of Sceva... These seven priest kids, these PKs, they didn't know Jesus. They knew the Jesus that Paul preached, but they didn't know Jesus as their friend. They didn't know Jesus as their savior, and they certainly didn't know Jesus as their Lord. They didn't have the right to use the name of Jesus because they hadn't surrendered their lives to him. The demon knew Paul and he knew Jesus, but he didn't know these guys. Growing up, I had the privilege of seeing my mom, who understood her, her authority as a believer, played out often. Uh, there would be a storm coming, and my mom would be in the driveway, and tornadoes you know, are, are forming, and she's out there saying, I command you in the name of Jesus to go back up into the sky. You cannot come near my house. No evil can befall my kids or come near us. And of course, we never lost a shingle, Uh, I I saw her do this over and over again, even though you know neighbors were laughing and looking on and giggling, she didn't care. She was the daughter of the king and she understood her authority and she knew how to use it and she would use it because she wanted peace in her home and she wanted protection over her family. I saw her use it time and time again. But this one story that she told us often, it happened before I was born. I believe she told it often because she wanted us, her kids, to understand the authority that we have as believers. And uh, I called her this week, and I said, tell me that story again. And she told me, and I'm telling you, she told me she was choking up because it, it, it was such a real moment for her. But my dad uh, had let this guy borrow a tool of his, a compressor. And the guy worked with him. He lived in our neighborhood. And my dad, nice guy, yeah, sure, you can borrow the compressor. He couldn't get it back from the guy. He needed it. It had been a long time. Hey, I need my compressor back. Are you done with it? Yeah, I'm almost done. I'll get it to you. And he just wasn't. It wasn't showing up. And so eventually he told my dad after my dad kept asking, oh, actually I got filed like on uh, tax fraud or bankruptcy or something. And they locked up my shop like they do in Ford versus Ferrari. They lock the guy's shop up. So they locked the guy's shop up. And so my dad's like, well, guess I'm never going to see that again. And just kind of went on his way. Well, a couple weeks later, this guy lives in our neighborhood. My parents are driving around. The garage door is open of this guy's house. And my mom spots the compressor. And she's like, Steve, there's your compressor. Let's go get it. So, there's no cars in the driveway. They go to get it. They knock on the door, of course, and uh, the wife comes to the door and they say, Hey, our compressor's in here. Your husband borrowed it. He said it was locked up in his shop. She said, I don't know why he's lying to y'all. Take it, it's yours. So, they get the compressor. They start to put it in the car. And uh, while they're doing this, the guy, the friend, he comes back. And he pulls into the driveway and he blocks my parents so they can't get out of the driveway. And he is mad. He is ticked off. And I don't know why, because it's my dad's. But he's mad. And uh, he's kind of throwing a fit and and yelling. And my mom is a little fiery. And she says, "Uh, this is his. We're taking it. Sorry about you. And the guy goes and gets a metal bat. And he comes running after my mom, full of rage. And my mom because she understands her authority as a believer. She doesn't run. She doesn't flinch. She doesn't go get in the car or hide behind my dad. She says, when he comes to her, I know who you are. And the guy backs away. He puts his bat down. He gets in his car and he moves it so my parents can leave in peace. Now, I know this story I've heard this story a lot of times and I love the story but as she was telling it to me this week I saw something in it I'd never seen before not only did she recognize that this guy was under under demonic influence but the demon recognized her he recognized her I know Paul and I know Jesus and thank God he knows my mama does the devil know you does he know you I'll tell you how, if you have committed your life to following God, submitted to his lordship in your life, he knows you. But if you're just going through the motions and you're just talking about the Jesus that Pastor Josh preaches, or the Jesus that Sarah preaches, or the Jesus that I hear Pastor Stephen Furtick talk about on Instagram, or the Jesus that Pastor Craig talks about, or the Jesus that Michael Todd talks about, but he is not your personal Lord and Savior, and this doesn't work out for you. It ends poorly for you. Yeah. Write this down. If you want to use your God-given authority, you must be under God's feet. You gotta be under his feet. Now, I realize that that phrase, under his feet, that, that makes some of you guys cringe a little bit. You don't like that. It doesn't sit well with you. You don't wanna be under anyone's feet. But let me tell you, under the resurrected feet of Jesus Christ, under his rule, under his reign, under his lordship, submitted to his word is the best place you could ever be. It's the best place you could ever be. But what about Ephesians 2, 6, Sarah? It says that we're seated in heavenly places, that I'm raised to to life, I'm raised to new life, and I'm seated in heavenly places at the right hand of my Father. So how am I supposed to be seated at the right hand of the Father, but yet you want me to be under his feet? Here's the thing, you are seated in heavenly places because when you died, uh, you gave your, when you died to self and gave him lordship of your life, he gave you a new spirit. You are in Christ and you live and you move and you have your being in him. So if he's in heavenly places, then you are there with him also. But don't be confused. You're not up there with him having a good old conversation and giving him your opinions about how you want to run your life. That's not how this works. God is not after your opinion. He is after your obedience. We want to pick and choose where God has authority in our lives. I see it all the time. We want to pick and choose where he has authority. Like we want to pick out what we we want from salada on our salad. Like I'll take the salada mix. And I want the green peppers. And I'll take the carrots. That looks good. No sprouts, gross, yuck. I'll take the green apples, extra green apples. No artichokes, too slimy. And sun-dried tomato, no croutons, perfect. That's my perfect salad right there. We wanna pick and choose. We wanna do the same thing with God's word. It's like, um, I like what you have to say over here about tithing and giving and, and, and being blessed, so I'm gonna take that. But I don't like what you have to say about living with my boyfriend um, so I'll be Lord over my sex life, and you can be Lord over my tithes and offerings and giving or 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 I like what you have to say over here about. Um, serving in in the local church and using our God-given gifts. And I like that. I, I like being used. I like feeling important in the body of Christ. So you can be Lord over my serving, and you can be Lord over my volunteer schedule, but I don't like what you have to say over here about honoring my leadership and unity. So I'll be Lord over this attitude that I have in my heart toward my leaders. Pick and choose. We want to pick and choose But God's after your whole heart. He has been since the beginning. He's after your whole heart. I wanna tell you this something that will help you stay under God's feet. It will help you stay submitted to his word. It will help you live in a place where you can confidently use your authority knowing that it's backed by the name of Jesus. And I know it will help you this morning because it's from the movie The Help, only I added a little part to it, okay? You ready, write this down. You is kind, you is smart, you is important, but you is not God. You are kind and you are smart and you are important and you are loved and you are called and all the things, you are who he says you are but he never says you are God. You are not God. And that is good because we make lousy gods. We make lousy kings. If you don't believe me, read through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and 2 Chronicles. We make lousy kings. God is God. Listen, some of you are intentionally stiff-arming the Lord because you know what his word has to say about something, but you're choosing not to do it. I'll be Lord over this area of my life, God. I got it. I got it. Some of you are unintentionally stiff arming the Lord because you don't know what His word has to say about certain ways that you're living because you're not in His word. And He has grace for you. I'm telling you, there's so much grace for you, especially you're a new believer. There's so much grace for you, and He wants to help you learn. But, but that's the thing, you have to have a heart that says, I want to grow teach me, show me. You have to have a heart that's hungry for his word. And I know that the Bible can seem intimidating, but remember the departing gifts that Jesus left us? His peace and his spirit. His spirit is alive in you, and it wants to help you understand this book. The Holy Spirit wants to show you how to walk how to stay under his his feet, his rule, his reign, how to stay in that safe place. Not always easy, but, but safe. He wants to show you, but you've got to open it. You've got a heart that says, I want to learn. I'm going to get in the word so I know. So I know when I'm trying to be God. So I know when I'm trying to be God. And so I know that it's best when he's God. That's what he wants to show you as you read his word. Listen, if you will say, I am going to make this book, the word of God, a lamp unto my feet. Right now, God, light up where I'm at right now. Show me a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm gonna walk with this all the days of my life. Then you'll stay in a place where you can use his name, use your authority, and he will 100% back it up. That's the kind of heart that he's looking for. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. He's not looking for perfection because we can't be perfect. Praise God, he's not looking for perfection or I wouldn't be up here this morning. He's not looking for perfection. Jesus already came and was perfect in our place. So he's not looking for you to do everything perfectly. But at the end of the day, here's what he's after. He's after a heart that says, your way's better than my way. I'm gonna follow your word no matter what even when it's not easy, even when it's not attractive, even when I think I have a better idea, I'm going to follow your word no matter what. That's the kind of heart he's looking for. That's the kind of heart that God is seeking, that he can pour his strength out to those people. That's the kind of heart that, again, he's going to back when we use his name. He's going to show up. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jackson talked about the 30-day shred during the, the panel on fasting. And he was talking about how last year during the fast, he read through the Bible in 30 days. And Pastor Josh had already decided he was gonna do that this year, but I was on the fence. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that. The kids work, like that's a lot of reading the Bible every day. But as Pastor Josh, or Jackson talked about it that day, I just felt like the Lord said, go for it. Why not? Why not go for it? Why not saturate your every free moment the beginning of the year with my word so i went for it and it's been amazing now i'm not telling you if you're new to the things of christ new, nor, or new to the things of god that you need to just read the bible in 30 days i'm just saying it's a great way to read the bible it's really neat and the other day as i was going through it and listening to it i'm making beds and this scripture just stops me I had to like stop sit down on the bed Get out my phone and look at it with my eyes and take a picture of it. This is when King Saul is being rejected by God as king. I want you to look at this with me and let these words sink in today. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination. Fortune-telling. Remember, that was what Paul was dealing with. He didn't want to be associated with fortune-tellers. This says, Rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination. We don't want to be associated with rebellion. And disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. False religion is what we see in the seven sons of Sceva. Listen, we don't want to be associated with rebellion. We don't want to be associated with disobedience. Here was the message to Saul. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you as king. The message says it like this, because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. Rebellion causes God to say no to your kingship. Yes, he has given you authority. Yes, he has given you his wonderful name, the name that every knee must bow to. Yes, he has given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Yes, he has given you a way to fight for peace. But if you say no to him in any area, nope, not doing this. If you say no to him, then he says no to your kingship. You go to heaven, but will you rule and reign in this earth like he made a way for you to? No. Listen, this isn't about a power trip. The believer's authority is not about a power trip. It's not about shaking your fist and using the name of Jesus whenever you feel like you're not getting your way. It's not what this is about. This is about a surrendered heart. This is about a heart that you see God said yes to you. He said yes to you. When you said, will you save me? He said yes to you. This is a heart that says, because you said yes to me, I will say yes to you over and over and over again, I will say yes to you. Listen, you've been given authority. It's an amazing gift that we've been given. We can walk in peace, and not just in those crazy moments where somebody's coming after you with a metal bat, but in everyday moments. Like last night on the way to a basketball game, my son Gus, he's 11, like I said, and you could see it all over him. He was shaking up about something. You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm okay. No, what's wrong? I could tell he was nervous. Like, Why are you nervous, buddy? We're playing sixth graders. He's in fifth grade. And you could tell he was in his head. He was beat before he even got to the game. The enemy was coming and trying to steal his peace. I could see his peace was being messed with. And I said, Gus, you know what? That little chatter box that little lie that spirit that's coming against you trying to steal your peace steal your joy get you nervous get you anxious you know you have authority over that spirit you know that you can command it to go in Jesus name and do you know that it has to listen to you because you have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life he knows Paul he knows Jesus that spirit knows you too buddy because Jesus is your Lord We can use it in the everyday moments when just that little chatter is there trying to steal our peace. We can use it when tornadoes are coming out of the sky and we can use it when crazy people are coming after us with metal bats. The authority of the believer is for us every day. But the only way that it works is if we're under the feet of Jesus. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe that the Lord... The Holy Spirit, he wants to reveal to you today. If there's any areas where you're walking in rebellion, if there's any areas where you have just said no to God, he's asking you for your whole heart today. It may be scary. But he would never ask you to do something. That was going to cause harm to you give him your yes this morning give him your whole heart i believe today he wants to fill you with revelation so that you leave ready to command those things that are following you around that you shouldn't be associated with to leave in jesus name but first and foremost let's command rebellion to leave let's give our hearts over to him fully Jesus, you can have our whole hearts. You can have all of us, every part. We surrender all to you. Thank you, Jesus. Command a spirit of shame to leave in Jesus' name. We command a spirit of unbelief to leave in Jesus' name. A spirit of suicide to leave in Jesus' name. We command the spirit of divorce to leave in Jesus' name. Command the spirit of lack, worry, stress, anxiety. We command them to leave in Jesus' name. And goodness and mercy are there to take their place. Jesus, we're walking with you. We submit to the authority of your word. It's not about our opinion. It's about the truth in your word. That's what we're after. Jesus, we humble our hearts. We're at your feet this morning. We're at your feet. If you're here today and maybe you've never fully surrendered your life to Christ, you've never invited him to come and be the king of your heart, you have been being your own king and it is not going well for you. And you want to make Jesus the king of your heart. He wants to come in. He is ready to say yes to you. He said yes to you before the foundations of the earth were laid. He said yes to you. He's ready to come in. He's ready to take his seat on the throne of your heart to rule and reign, to help you, to give you grace and mercy and peace and joy. He's there to wipe away all your tears. He's there to forgive you of all your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's there to take your filthy rags, and trade them out for his robes of righteousness. So that when God looks at you on judgment day, he sees Jesus, his perfect son. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we're gonna say a prayer together here in a moment. And this is not an incantation. It's not just a magic thing that we're stringing together these words. This has to be something that you believe in your heart for it to be effective. The word says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So that's what we're gonna do. That's you today. You've just gotta believe in your heart that Jesus came for you. He lived a perfect, sinless life for you. He died for you and was resurrected for you. You believe that and you say it with your mouth and something amazing happens. He gives you a brand new spirit. He gives you a brand new spirit and you're going to live with him in eternity forever. If you're ready to make that decision today, and maybe you're thinking, I don't know, I have more questions, but my heart is ready, that's a good place to be. It's okay to have questions, but if your heart is ready, do not wait. Make him your Lord today, and we'll help you with your questions. We've got books, we've got resources, we've got class, we've got small groups. We will help you, but if you're ready, do not wait another day. If you would, church, say this with me. Say this with me. Anybody who's who's ready to call on Jesus, say this with us. Jesus, thank you for saying yes to me. I believe that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. I believe that you've forgiven me of all of my sins. Make me white as snow. I repent, I turn to you, I give you my past, be in my future, and meet me right here today. I'm following after you, I say you are my king. I love you King Jesus, in Jesus name, amen, amen, if you would stand to your feet we're gonna celebrate what the Lord has done this morning I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come forward if you have a prayer need of any kind we want to pray with you if you made a decision today to make Jesus the king of your heart we want to celebrate with you we've got a gift for you we want to answer any questions that you may have whatever you're going through if you've got something that's following you around and you want somebody to use their authority to join their authority with you We want to help you today. So the altars are going to be open. If you have a prayer need of any kind, let's worship or or let's pray. If not, then let's close this moment out and worship. Lord, Holy Spirit, God, we ask you to draw every person in need of prayer to the altars and to seal this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.